joined by our first one today, Errol Toker, uh, multiple time CEO and co-founder, most recently of TriKit.ai. And uh, Errol, thank you so much for, for joining us. Really appreciate uh, your, you taking the time. And uh, I am really uh, excited for your topic. So I'm going to let you take it away and, and, uh, and share what you have to share. Cool. Yeah. Super excited to be here. Um, I, I actually gave this talk uh, once and that's actually uh, jumping right in. That's actually the, the fun fact for today. So hi, everybody. I'm Errol. I'm the founder uh, of a couple different companies. I've been working in the RevOps space for the last 10 years, uh, different products. And my interesting fact kicking this off was I actually gave this presentation as one of the, the main event, main stage uh, talks last year. Um, and it went really, really well until we got to Q and A, uh, and I gave I sucked the air out of the room a little bit because I didn't have a good answer f- uh, for something that somebody asked about. Well, where's RevOps headed? But I think I'm really well prepared, and uh, you know, being the first one on stage, I'm going to try to breathe some life into you guys, and hopefully have a really good Q and A. So the origin of my talk, like, how did I get to this point? Um, just to sum up, really simply. Uh, you know, I, the first company I ran, we did everything right. All the metrics looked excellent. We raised a series A and then my life got worse, like a lot worse. It was money was supposed to make it better. It just made me more exhausted. There were more problems, more complicated problems. I didn't really understand what was happening. And then COVID gave us a little bit of a pausing moment where we could kind of take a look around just because everything came to a standstill. Um, and this is the story of some of the things that we learned and how we changed our business uh, from that period. So basically, we came out of that with three learnings. Um, and we'll talk about each of these with examples in the next slide. So the first one is, it's really easy to kid yourself with today's best-in-class metrics. I say today's, it's not very clear that the metrics we used last year are going to be the metrics we use next year, just given how everything has come down to some form of sanity. But the main thing is like, it's really easy to kid yourself if you break down and silo your metrics and say, we are absolutely crushing it. And there's only one problem over there, but everything else is going great. Never works that way. Um, Which brings me to number two, every department's problem started somewhere completely different. Um, And then the third part, the third lesson was you know, I, I'm not anti-sales. This is this talk is about the end of sales as we know it. I actually did sales for many years. I loved it. I have an engineering mind. And to me, sales is the ultimate engineering puzzle exercise thing. But after going through this experience, I really started to ask myself, you know, is it worth all the effort and all the headache that comes with it? Because yeah, it's fun. But when you try to scale with 20, 30, 40 people, it can get awfully, awfully messy. And basically, to solve taking these three things, what we realized was we were spending all of our time trying to build a sales machine from our point of view. So it was like we're trying to build this factory floor, this conveyor belt where, you know, we send emails and people come in and they go from A to B to C to D. And we knew exactly how much the cost of making those jumps were. But you know, we never really thought about what was happening from the customer's perspective. And I came from a product background. And in product, we talk about this concept called job to be done, which is 
you know, you can sit there and say the job to be done of sales is to close business. But at the end of the day, the jobs to the job of sales is to make the business successful, right? So rather than talking about making sales success, having a great marketing department, a great sales department, what does it mean for the business to be successful? And we thought to ourselves, well, the answer to that is the right people come in the door, the exact right people for the business, not we're going to close revenue. The exact right people come in the door. They see exactly what they need to see to buy a product and then leave us alone because that's what we notice. And everybody knows this in their business. The best fit customers are always the quietest and they always renew and they always pay more than everybody else. So who is that person? What do they need to see? Where are they in the world? What are they doing at, you know, uh, 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 on a Wednesday at 9.35 a.m. Central? Who is that person? Those are the questions that we started to ask. And we started working backwards from that. And as we did that, uh, it was a very interesting sort of three to six months. These are just some of the... I know that we like to talk inputs, outputs, but just to show you some of the outputs that we achieved in just six months, these are what happened with some of the stats. So our MQL to SQL rate, in other words, people who showed up to uh, people with whom we booked a meeting to whether or not they progressed in the sales process went from 15% to 85%. That means almost every single meeting that we took was pretty much qualified. The amount of time it took to do demo prep. So in other words, just think about like getting yourself psyched up in the right place, making sure that you have the right screens up, that you have the right demo flow and you're going to customize. We used to spend about an hour sort of prepping for those sometimes. Obviously, if you had multiple in succession, you didn't do an hour and a half for each. But there was this like really big cost for people to get prepped. And especially if you have multiple people getting on a call, it was hurting our efficiency. We brought this down to two minutes. We stopped negotiating. We stopped doing quotes. Um, and just the stress just sort of melted away for us. Um, and it melted away for the customer. And so how did we do some of this? It was always something simple. So we talked about the problem in this department started somewhere else. So let's talk about customer retention. It's really easy to say, oh, you know, this customer didn't understand the value of the product. They didn't see the cute, you know, we didn't do QBRs. The the rep didn't get them to like them enough. The rep didn't wasn't able to do some sort of magic. But the reality of what we found with a lot of these customers that were churn risk was, you know, we were never their dream product. You know, they were always marginal and it was always profit, it was profitable to bring them in at the surface level. And it kind of is profitable. You keep investing in account managers because you're like, well, it's a $200,000 deal, 100,000 account manager, it's profitable. But behind all that, there's all these hidden debt that you never, ever see. You know, the backlog for engineering, the engineers you have to hire, the, the constant to save people, like the give and get that you have to do. 